Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. What is going on, everybody? John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Welcome back for another episode. We appreciate you joining us. Um, whether it's your first time or you've been with us the whole time, we appreciate that and we appreciate your support. Check us out on our social media. We're at Eyes Up Mindset everywhere. We'd love to have you join our Facebook group or on Twitter or Instagram because we love hearing from you because, again, connection and community and relationships is about what, what, what we are about at Eyes Up Mindset and, and living Eyes Up. So, Jamie, kind of rambly there. apologize, but I want to get to something that is near and dear question to my heart right now. Are you still on your streak of running in the cold in Minnesota? I am. I did take one day because I had to go and travel for work. I went and taught. was traveling on the road, left before it was light out. Sounds like an excuse. Got home after it was dark out. Um, and it was just kind of one of those days, you know, as I got, there wasn't time for it. And it may have, it may be an excuse. Um, might've been. I'm just kidding. I know. But at the same time, I think having that grace with yourself to say, I can miss a day and I'm going to pick it up the next day is really, really valuable. I, I thought that was a huge lesson for me because I really didn't want to do it the next day. I really didn't want to go run the next day. I'm not kidding. I was like, ah, my legs are going to hurt. My body's just not there. I didn't go yesterday. It's no big deal. And it was really cold. And I was like, I don't want to do it. But uh, I did it. And here we are. I think I'm like 12 of 13 days now, something like nice that. Work. So, uh, very excited physically. I feel better. The tempo's coming down all good things. So, uh, challenge you to, to just dive in to the thing that you're a little bit hesitant to do. I don't like running. I don't want to go running. <laughs> Typically I've, I started to kind of maybe want to go running a little bit. So yeah, it's been good. Doing something consistently that's the chop wood, carry water, right? Do do what is required. Reminds me of our episode today. It's an incredible, exciting, energetic episode where we get into some real vulnerable stuff, but also some real tangible tools as to how to perform better in your life, whatever that looks like for you. Sarah Taylor, mental performance coach, um, sports psychologist. She's got her master's talks about working with professional golfers, but is also married to an NFL player and has been a, a sports reporter. Incredible, cool background that she has. And we get into some cool stuff. No, and the thing that I wish that everybody could hear is the after conversation. Every yeah. time we have one of these is because the thing that we had this conversation with Sarah about, but with every episode, with every guest, is how valuable these sorts of conversations are, not just for you guys listening, but for us, for both sides of the conversation, us as hosts and them as guests, them as the experts coming in and sharing us with us, we get sharpened, but so do they. And you said, we love hearing from you in our Facebook group, on Twitter, on social media. That's why, because we sharpen each other in the process. And Sarah absolutely sharpens us today. And that's the goal. You should seek out these people. And she even talks about that a little bit. Who's, who are we getting feedback from? The people that can sharpen us and grow us. We need to seek it out. And I'm really, really grateful we got to have the conversation with her today. No, let's go. Sarah Taylor. 
Sarah, thanks for taking some time to join us today on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. It's especially special that you joined us given that you are in your first day in your new home. You moved across the country in the middle of a snowstorm. So tell us a little bit about how you're holding up after that experience. Hey, you guys are that important to me. I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. You know, we're, I'm super grateful that we made it because it was a little scary and Obviously, you don't want to be the roads in that kind of situation. I think a lot of people were texting me. It's all over the news about this crazy free storm that's going through. So obviously, think if you think of California, you go through Arizona, New Mexico. Um, <laughs> I'm a little woozy. I forget Texas, Arkansas, and then you get to Nashville. And, and those were all the places that were getting hit really hard. So um, I mean, yeah, actually, you think Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Arkansas, the first thing you think is snowstorm, right? So yeah. Okay, so it's so funny. We had two choices of routes to go. And I, I told my husband, I said, let's go the southern route because then we won't come across any weather. Well, you know, knock, knock on my door. Mother Nature says we're going to teach you a little lesson, Sarah. So luckily, we, we were able to get through right before the big storm came, but it was still... A little nerve wracking, you know, uh, uh, pushing through, but nothing, nothing felt too unsafe. But the minute we got here really late last night, uh, we got snowed in. So I'm snowed in in, in my cute little new rental and it's fun. And, and I apologize if uh, I sound a little echoey. It's we're doing the best we can. But hey, that's that's kind of the beauty of these things. huh? You just kind of got to pivot and roll with it. <laughs> So speaking of transitions, obviously you just moved, but it hasn't been that long where you transitioned careers. I mean, you, you were a sideline reporter, you did interviews and now you're in sports psych and, and working kind of with, with professional golfers and some other athletes. Tell us a little bit about how you made that transition and why so recently. Kind of a wild story, I would say, but, um, you know, I, sports have always been my life similar to, I'm sure you guys and, and, and most of the people that you talk to and interact with on a daily basis, uh, for, for those who love sports, really, you just can't picture a life without some sort of sport aspect in your life. And, and that was me, you know, growing up in any way, you know, whether I was playing sports or, or covering sports, it's where I wanted to be, um, so, you know, sports reporting was my life. It's all I ever wanted to do. And um, I worked really hard to get to where, you know, I, I was. And um, I was really grateful for the positions that I had and how I had moved um, kind of up network. You know, I was at a network at 22 years old and that was really special for me. Um, but, you know, I, I started getting these feelings um, where I would come home and, and I would talk to these athletes all day and I would just thrive. But, it, and you know, it would build these relationships and really get to know all these different athletes and, and they would trust me with some, some story, some, you know, their life stories. And it was really interesting, but I would come home and reflect on it and be really unfulfilled because I would think, gosh, I wish I could help them. I wish I could, you know, when they would tell me about their struggles, I wish I had some sort of tool to maybe offer them or some sort of, um, you know, coaching or guiding and um, it just felt really unfulfilling to sit and, and just listen without offering some sort of support. And the more I thought about it, I just felt this passion ignite within me to serve. And I felt like in the role that I was doing, I wasn't serving in any way. 
I really had a, a fun time and I loved it with all my heart, but I, I didn't feel like I was serving and I felt like there were, there was more for me. So, you know, I, I kind of played around with the concept for a little while of going back to school um, to get my master's in sports psychology. And, you know, I had a really, I had a lot of supportive people in my life, but I also had some people that told me, Hey, you're 22 years old. You have your dream job. You're working at a, a, a high network. Like, why would you leave this? So, you know, I, I really did struggle with that. And then I got promoted and it, it just was a really tough time. And then finally it, the, the passion was just so strong there to, to, to serve. And I just was remained so unfulfilled. So I decided, Hey, if I'm meant to be there, um, you know, it'll happen. My mom always told me, you know, if, if God wants you there, he'll open the door. So I applied, I took a chance, I got in uh, to, to graduate school and I left my job and, and decided to embark on this journey. And gosh, I've never looked back and I've never been so fulfilled, you guys. I, I, I get to literally show up and do something I always dreamed about, um, which is hopefully serving in some way. I feel like I serve, but you know, the athletes that I work with, gosh, they serve me so much more. I feel like they've, they've taught me so many things along the way. Um, and I'm sure you guys can both vouch, vouch for that as well. And it's just a fun, fun challenge. You know, I feel like I'm challenged on a daily basis. I never feel like it gets boring or, um, you know, routine. It's always, it's always different. So that's kind of the, the long story short for you. Yeah. I love that you talk about service. That's certainly an underpinning of who we are and what we do. You know, we talk about when you give, you get so much more back than you can possibly imagine. When you open that door up, it really becomes two ways. We think about giving as being a, a vulnerable thing in some ways where you open yourself up to not getting something back or you're on the line for some. And I just think that's completely contrary. You get stuff back in so many ways. You get feedback from somebody because you're telling them something and Hey, maybe that didn't work that well. And now they're communicating that back to you. I don't know. I just think that two-way conversation, and that's what I love about doing what we do, where we interact with athletes is it becomes a conversation and, and with young athletes, sometimes not so much. They just want to be directed and pushed and told. Um, how do you build some of that interactive feedback with clients, right? How do you create in them this willingness to push back almost if they aren't comfortable with it? I think that's something that I look at and go, man, I wish more athletes would say, well, maybe this isn't working for me. I need to take the next step. I need to push back with my athlete or with my yeah. coach or whatever it might be. You know, that's a really good question. And I think everything starts with a really good relationship. And I love how you talk about vulnerability. I mean, how, how much is an athlete going to want to be vulnerable, you know, with me, if I'm not vulnerable right back with them, um, you know, and it has to come from, I, I guess my motto too, is I try and do everything. Uh, first, I try and build a really strong, authentic and real relationship with, with the person in front of me. Um, and, and that means being fully engulfed and fully present in our conversations. And that's tough. I mean, how hard is it to be fully present all the time in life? Um, but that's really part of my service is I really try and be there um, with the athlete wherever they are um, and meet them wherever they are. And, and first work on establishing a really authentic raw relationship where we do feel like we can be real and they can tell me everything. And, you know, 
if, if they don't like, like kind of like you said, if something's not working for them, we tweak it. it it's never going to be perfect right away. And, and that's kind of the fun of it is, you know, uh, when it when it comes to mental skills and psychological skills and, and training your mind, it's, it's not always going to work right away or click right away. It takes a lot of trial and error to figure out <laughs> what works for that specific athlete. And I always say this too, it's like, the mental game is, and a lot of other things, is not a one-size-fit-all approach. Like, everybody's got to figure out what works best for them. And a lot of the times, if I can just help them talk through it, they're going to find the answer, and they're going to find what works best for them. But, you know, sometimes it's just nice to, to challenge their thoughts and ideas and talk through every part and every dimension of it. And, and then they get to go out and try it and tweak it and tailor everything to them and, and what fits them best. Um, so I think, I think where I'm getting at is, is everything that I do starts with a good relationship and you've got to nurture the relationship and you got to be authentic. You got to be vulnerable and you got to be real. And I think if you can establish a really good relationship with someone, you can get really far um, collectively. Sarah, the thing that I, we, we have talked with our teams, our individuals that we work with, and, and also on the podcast, you know, I told you we've had some other sports psychologists on, and we've kind of done some of the, I don't want to say the 101, but kind of the fundamental, some of those, those types of skills. We've talked a lot about awareness, which we believe is, you know, foundational to all that we do, but to look at the next step. And I, I think some of the thing that stood out to me, what you were just saying is build that relationship. Right. And then there's that two way communication and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. The thing that stands out to me is this, the idea of feedback, right? How do we get feedback? Who do we get it from? You talked about your transition, even with your, your job and going back to school, you had some people that said, yeah, go do it, chase that thing. And you had other people that said, uh, you know, you're kind of crazy. You have this good thing going, don't screw it up. Um, and so I guess I just want to take us down this road and Jamie, maybe you can ask an actual question. Cause I well, yeah. feel like I'm just talking right now, but um, I think there's this piece that you're talking feedback. about. I think that piece is about how do you, how are you discerning between multiple people? You know, mm -hmm. you're getting information from both sides. This is good right? You're, or you're crazy, right? This is a, this is an amazing opportunity. Go and do this thing, chase this thing. It's your passion, or you're already in an amazing opportunity. How, how do you create discernment around that? How do you, and especially in a place where you're already vulnerable, I'm not being fulfilled. I'm not being right. What, what are you looking for when it comes to feedback from other people? Who are you trusting? Those sort of things. I love this question. And I'm going to share with you something, some of the best advice that I ever got. Um, and it's, it's advice that I share with a lot of my athletes too, is um, one time uh, there was a, a guy that one of my good friends uh, in the Marines, um, he told me, you know, this was back when I was very young. He told me, you know, you're so worried about all these opinions. He goes, this is my, this is my challenge for you. Find five to eight people that are of rank in your life for their opinions and their feedback to matter. And I was like, a rank? What do you mean by that? And he said, listen, you know, in the military, we, you know, we call it rank of like, who is, whose opinions and whose feedback do you really value? Who, um, who do you trust? Who's there to help make you better? And who's going to challenge you in the right ways? And uh, who's trying to bring you down? Uh, you know, 
the no name guy on Twitter is his is his opinion of ranking your life to bring you down today. Um, so we all know those kind of people where it's like, okay, who's a rank in my life. So what I had to do myself was figure out, okay, who's really a rank? Like, let's take this and let's think like, who's a rank in my life. And, and there's not everybody of rank in your life is going to give you the criticism or the feedback that you want to hear. And sometimes that can be the best uh, feedback that you receive is sometimes, Hey, you need to pivot. You need to make a change this or that. Um, but what I always challenge, you know, the guys that, and gals that I work with is, you know, really reflect on who is of rank in your circle and whose feedback matters to you. And uh, because, listen, there are so many voices vying for our attention all day long, especially with social media. And I love social media. It's a great tool, but it can also be a very scary place, especially for athletes. And, um, you know, it's, it's the world that I'm in where I see this on a daily basis. Um, my husband's a professional athlete and every part of me wants to go on a rampant Twitter. I want my thumbs to just go in overdrive when I read some of the things that are on social media sometimes about someone that I love. Um, but those, I have to remember, hey, Sarah, those opinions, they're not a rank in your life to matter. Maybe, you know, and that's not to say that person isn't good enough. That's just not, that's just not something that I, I need to process right now. I, I don't know this person and, and, and their words are, are hurtful and, and may not bring value to you right now. So let's go in a different direction. Um, I'm going to call my mentor or I'm going to call my counselor or I'm going to call my coach or my uh, husband or I'm going to call my parents. Um, that's kind of what I mean by that. So you've got to create that circle of people that are going to offer you really good feedback, honest, raw feedback, uh, versus just getting caught up in, in all the noise and all the sounds out there. So I think when it comes back to my decision that I made was I talked to the people that were of rank in my life. And again, I feel like it's a little derogatory if you take it that way of, it doesn't mean that other people aren't as valuable. It just means that these are the people that I really trust. And it turns out that the people I trust said, hey, if this is a desire of your heart and this is something you are longing to do and it's a passion inside of you, let it rip, go run with it. Let's ride type of thing versus, you know, someone else who, who you know, was considering the other option, but um, it, it just wasn't a valuable voice in my life right then. Um, hopefully that makes sense. I don't want to come across as, uh, you know, demeaning to anybody, but I just try and make it very clear of find your circle and find the top people that their feedback really matters to you and, and you trust them with it. And I think what's hard there is that you said five to eight and that's unbelievable advice. I think that's true. We hear, you know, you're the, like you become like the five people you spend the most time with like that. I think is incredibly valuable feedback and, and wisdom as well, right? When you're, when you're thinking about who should I spend time with? Well, who do you spend time with, right? That's that awareness piece again, but it has to be small. Otherwise the noise gets too big. Like you talk about the noise just comes in and kind of crowds out. There's no wisdom there. It's just noise. And you need that, those discerning voices, people you trust. And so I don't think in any way you came across as saying, well, some people don't matter. No, it's, there are people that matter more. Yeah. And because you've built and established these relationships with them. And, and I think for athletes, vital, 
right? It's a vital tool to say, I need to listen to my coaches. I need to listen to my mentors. I need to listen to a few people. Sometimes your parents aren't in that loop because they don't have a clue what they're talking about when it comes to blocking the five technique, you know? I mean, (laughs) there we go. There we go. And you know, someone once told me too, it's like, there are so many cheats, cheap seats out there. Uh, it takes real guts to get down there and step into the arena. Um, and you know, the, the people like there was this NFL player that told me once the people in the nose nosebleeds hardly paid any money to be there. And they're the ones usually that are talking the most. So, you know, you got to decide, like, do I want to listen to the people on the sidelines who are providing value in my life? Um, or or the, the noise in the cheap seats, it's a decision and we've got to make the decision, you know? I think you said a couple of really important things. Well, you, you said some important stuff. And then I think that the concept of intentional behavior, like you got intentional about who was of rank for that decision. The thing that I stood out to me in, in hearing you talk about that was you said the words right now Mm. and the, the people that sometimes are of rank for decisions like your career or, Mm. uh, things like that are of rank right now that doesn't mean that they're going to be forever and it doesn't mean that if someone is not of rank right now they can't be down the road um i posed this question to our facebook group a few weeks ago and it was is you know who's someone whose opinion really matters and one of the responses was where it was just like well it depends on the situation Mm. because i trust people in certain situations. And it was a football coach. And he said, you know, if it's a football related question, you know, I'm going to go to my football people that are of rank to use your language. But if it's a life thing, you know, maybe it's my wife or my parents or whoever. And I think understanding that that can change not only in the present moment, but over time that can change who, um, whose opinions you value. So I agree with Jamie. I don't think it came across as you were leaving people out. I think it's just important to be intentional about that. So I love that John too, because life is just fluid. I mean, you gotta, you gotta roll with it. It's like the waves in the ocean. You know what I mean? You can't, it's, it's really hard to just stay stagnant. You got to move as it throws you, you know, it's going to throw you all different kinds of directions and, and you just got to be fluid with it. You know what I mean? And that's really what the best in the world do. And they're so good at doing. So you're right. Life is always changing. And those of rank to offer you feedback in certain situations are going to change and that's okay. I think it's just like you said, being aware of who fits this category for me right now. I love that. You you said you work with golfers, and I would say that John and I are both golfers. I am a poor golfer. John <laughs> is a good golfer. We both enjoy golf mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I think the thing that I have learned through golf is what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. It is always changing. Mm-hmm. I go and hit four shots around that are like, I will be back tomorrow and I might even come back and play 18 more tonight because that was the most amazing feeling. Yep. And then I hit 47 shots around where I'm like, Hmm, I don't know that I ever want to do this again because I want to yep. pull my hair out. Mm-hmm. So this ability to adapt, not just in the big picture, right? We're talking about career change, life change, big transition moments, but as athletes, as employees, as spouses, are we need, we're forced to adapt the way that we think or the way that we respond, the way that we feel in an instant at times. When you're working with professional golfers, golfers at the top of their game, they, they miss a shot by eight feet and they might be frustrated. I miss a shot by eight 
hundred yards and I'm frustrated. No, I, you know, so how do you, how do you work through something, a challenge like that, that is about adapting in the moment mm. through the mental game? Because I think we all can admit that there are times where that one miss mm. in whatever area of life can derail us for hours, days, mm-hmm. weeks. How do we get back on track in a couple minutes or as a golfer, you know, the walk to the next shot? Right. This is so fun because the guys that I work with, they're trying to get back that second because the longer that they're away, that's the, that's how it's detrimental. And this is fun for me guys, because I got to practice this on a daily basis in my own life. And there's nothing that I teach that I don't practice on a daily basis. Um, I throw fits when I go golfing because I'm terrible and I want to be amazing. Uh, so I firsthand have to learn how to do this myself. Um, so let me talk about the professionals because mine's a whole different story, but I, <laughs> I have to do this as well. So you guys aren't alone. Um, but you know, this might look different for everybody. And that's kind of the fun of the mental game is everybody is different. And what works for one guy I have found rarely ever works the same for another. And that's why I love it. It's totally tailored to the specifications of that particular athlete. And that's kind of what fires me up. But in terms of adjusting, I just think like, first, like, I love that we keep coming back to awareness. You have to have the awareness that uh, you you need to adjust or you might need to pivot. Um, You know, a lot of the times uh, it's really hard to know that you're going down a negative spiral if you have no awareness. It's just like self-talk. Like if you don't have awareness of what you're saying to yourself, you could be talking trash to yourself all day long without even knowing it. And then what does that do to our confidence? You know what I mean? So it's all a cycle. So it all starts with having some good awareness, but you know, for one of my golfers that might look like he might need some time to take a reset and uh, a mental reset might look like um, it's different for everyone. You know, I've got a guy that will take a series of of breaths and I challenge my guys to find um, some breathing numbers that work best for them. So like maybe an inhale for three, um, a hold for two and an exhale for six. So we would call that a three, two, six, or I've got another golfer that prefers a, a, a six, two, six. It sounds like a defense, but uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. So you, you throw in a couple six to six breaths. Um, maybe, you know, it's looking down or looking around, looking at the trees or looking at the grass and just being fully present in that moment, because Sometimes when, when something, something's not going our way, we start to think about all the negatives or all the things that could go wrong, that are going wrong, that could, um, you know, mess us up, especially in golf um, and, and or thinking about the leaderboard or who's chasing you, all these things. Um, and, and we're not in the present moment then. And in order to be at our best, our mind and body have to be aligned, especially in golf. Like, how are you going to make a putt if your mind and body are in two separate places? Um, So certainly a breath, uh, a series of breaths is the gateway to the present moment, stopping and just taking a second to just be. Uh, I've got one guy that picks up the grass and and throws it in the wind and and that serves as as kind of a a gateway to the present moment and and that's him resetting and um, getting ready to pivot. I've got one guy that reframes it as a challenge. Like if he hits it into the woods, he's like, all right, watch me. I'm going to work this now. So, you know, it can be, it can be a series of things too. I'm big on self-talk, like be your own biggest, 
you know, cheerleader, bet on yourself all up here. Nobody knows what you're saying up here. So make it good. I've got one guy, his self-talk. I mean, it fires me up to hear what he says uh, to himself. So certainly that can help you pivot and adjust. Um, you know, he talks through the scenarios. All right, got, like, we've got to do this, this, and this. You're like, let's make it happen. You've, you, you front-loaded this. You've done this a million times. Go, go, go have fun, dude, type of thing. Um, so I've certainly thrown out a bunch of different things at you guys, and it's probably hard to keep track. But I guess my main point would be adjusting and pivoting, especially in golf, looks so different from everybody. But at first, you've got to know that you're in a situation where you need to maybe stop and pivot and adjust a little bit because something's not working. Um, and again, there's so many different ways to do that. But um, that's why working with golfers is so fun because you, you offer them these tools and you collaborate on how using them works best for them. And then they go out there and they take inventory of their body and their mind and the environment and they pick out the tool that they need in that moment. So uh, that's that's kind of the fun part. But but certainly uh, you, you've got to be on your toes and you've got to be able to uh, pivot and adjust, no doubt. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. I think that's a ton of really good stuff in there. And so uh, rewind and just listen to that again, probably a couple of times, because there's enough in there to have a few takeaways. But part of where this question originated or this topic, Sarah, was I was listening to sports talk radio, which I do probably more than I should. Um, but they were talking about the NFL draft and and one of the quarterbacks coming up and and they were talking about how he's incredibly talented and he's elite when things are going well, right? Mm -hmm. When he knows what to expect, when the situation is right, when the offense performs a certain way and the defense performs how he expects, but when it gets a little bit off timing wise and those sorts of things. And I just happen to be, again, why we love doing what we do is because it impacts us. You said that. Um, I happen to be listening to it and going through my own kind of tough time um, in, in real life with, with my wife, you know, it, we, she wanted to go skiing. It was 15 below zero. And here I was like, no, this is the conditions aren't right for me. And mm -hmm. what did I do? I went down this negative path of making all these excuses and, and trying to get out of it. And I think the, the thing that always strikes me though, is, and, and it comes back to awareness, but in sports, we're so trained to think about when mistakes happen or when things don't go our way but in life we lose that awareness and and I think it took me a while to become aware that I was in this cycle right yeah. um, because I'm just not always thinking about it in my my regular life yeah and so um, I appreciate that answer and I, I I think it's incredibly humbling and challenging um, to to be able to adapt and say hey how can I be present right now I love you said the gateway to the present how, how do I get present right now um, mm -hmm such a cool, powerful tool. I love yeah, that. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. So I'm, I'm working with a team that has is back to back state champions on Wednesday. They've won two in a row. They're undefeated this year, ranked number one again. And I'm, I'm trying to have that same conversation with them mm. is you have to come back to the present, what we've done before. And a lot of the times we talk about this from the, from the substance of something went poorly 
And now I need to get back on track. But I think there's a reality here where something is going well and we just assume it's going to continue into the future forever in perpetuity to be the same. That it will always, always, always be what it has been. And that gateway to the present, John said it, that was a, a term you use. I'm just like, man, that's powerful because we need, the reason we, we were good last time is because we were fully present. We were fully aware. We were ready for the challenge in front of us. If we continue to think that that thing that we did back there means anything right now, other than it gave me confidence or other than it inspired some sort of belief, we're going to miss an opportunity to grow and potentially even widen the gap. You've been around professional athletes a lot. Um, you're married to one, right? How do you see that in them, right? That I actually, I know I'm elite and I want to get better. I want to go next level. It's fun for me because this is the population that I really, really enjoy because they're so bought in. They want to zoom in on every detail to get one inch better, 1% better always. And I find this a lot with my, uh, with my golfers of we unpack every ounce, every little detail of, of their round um, at the end of the tournament, at the end of uh, every little round, we, we unpack and we look for every little detail, every little inch that we can potentially level up and get a little bit better. And that's, what's fun with professionals is, is because they want that, you know, and I'm not to say that other levels don't want that either. It's just, it's heightened because it it could be that their career counts on that little 1%. Um, So I think like, like you said, the best in the world are just always looking for, for little ways to level up. And I think from my experience, around some of the best athletes is, is, you know, what's fun for me is, is they don't leave the mental game up to chance. And um, I think that's the difference between some of the best in the world is uh, if you're looking for ways to level up, uh, have you invested in the, in the mental game? Um, Because, you know, you're, you're physical, uh, obviously that that's so important to train and that's what we focus on training, but uh, when it comes down to it, the best of the world are investing in the mental game and they're consistent in their approach. Um, this is the one thing I've noticed, especially with the golfers that I get to work with is they are so consistent in the small daily little things. They are building um, a, a house out of brick, one brick at a time. They're laying it every day. They're doing the small, little, consistent things that a lot of other people just don't, they get sick of doing. And that I'm not saying right one way or is right or one way is wrong. Uh, you know, everybody can make their own decision. But what I've observed of the best in the world, whether it's, um, you know, any professional athlete in, in, in their respective sport is they don't get bored with doing the small little daily tasks and they do them consistently and they do them. Uh, it's not just a checklist item. They do them with purpose and they do them with passion and they treat every opportunity as it's an opportunity of a lifetime. You know what I mean? And, and that's something in golf too, is like, you talk about adjusting while well, you hit a bad shot and then, you know, every shot's got to be like, this is, this shot needs all of me right now. And um, this is, this shot's an opportunity. Every single one is. Um, So it's kind of that mindset. And how do you get to that mindset if if you don't work on the mental game? Do you know what I mean? So I think, um, again, I, I might be going in a totally different direction than you wanted to, but I think my main observations is 
they don't skimp on the work and they don't skimp on, you know, the really hard daily consistent work. They chop wood and carry water. If you've read that book, it's my absolute favorite book. I will read that book to my kids until they have it memorized. (laughs) That's what it takes. And, you know, it's something as, you know, all of us, we can take that in our, our daily life too, of how, how am I going to go teach something if I'm not doing it myself? And am I doing the, the daily consistent things that it takes for me to be a great coach? You know, it's something I have to ask myself every single day, because why would I tell somebody else, Hey, like, let's, let's work on this if I'm not doing it myself. So I think from, from my experience with, you know, top level athletes, it's, it's simply that. And it seems like a simple answer, but you both know that this is, this is true. No question. It's, it is the stuff. Russell Wilson says, don't get bored with consistency, right? That's Mm -hmm. like, this is the difference between good, great, professional, elite, all pro, whatever. It is the difference. Mm -hmm. Consistency in the little details. I, I mean, and then for you to hit on it, are you ignoring the mental game or are you taking it and being intentional and purposeful about it? I couldn't have said it better. So I think that the thing that stood out to me there, and again, I know that I'm in my own head based on my past recent experience here, but you know, you said they treat every opportunity as once in a lifetime, no matter how big or small, like I have one chance to go to practice today. I have one chance to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, again, thinking back to my weekend about the skiing and it's like, okay, if I was able to get to that thought of, look, this is a once in a lifetime thing. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity that I have to go do this instead of, man, it's really freaking cold. I'm going to be cold and I'm going to get angry. And I'm, you know, um, how much would that impact how we change our day and how we live our life? It, it's, it's a really cool thing. Um, yeah. again, that's challenging me. So. Yeah, well, John, in your situation too, like I've been there and I find myself there a lot and it's a tough, it's a tough battle. You know what I mean? Um, but you know what, what's really helped me lately is someone once, I, I don't even know who told me this, but someone said, if you're looking for what's, what's wrong or what's negative, you'll always find it. Um, but if you look for what's good or what's right, you'll find that too. So it's really a decision. And I mean, even on our road trip over here, it was like, I was finding all the things wrong with my husband's squeaky nose and his breathing. <laughs> you know, all these things. It's going to kill me. But, um, <laughs> and then I was like, had this conversation with myself. I'm like, you're noticing everything wrong because that's what you're looking for. Like, why don't you just look for all the things you love about being here with this person that you love and, and being on the road and, and that kind of stuff. So any situation will turn in whichever direction you decide to look. Um, it's almost like someone once told me like, look at all the things in the room that you're in right now, or I'm going to tell you to look at all the things that are gray in the room right now, um, go. And then they look, and then you say, how many red things did you find? And they'll, they'll say none. It, well, it's not because you were dumb, but you, it's not because you were looking any, for anything that was red. You were looking for gray. So it's the same thing with negative, positive, what's right, what's wrong. It's, it, we will find, and your mind will always find what it's looking for. Um, but it's really hard to take control of that. And I trust me, I do it all the time. So it's, it's a daily conversation I have to have with myself of what are you looking for right now? Seriously, Sarah, what are you seeing? You know? 
really good. What are you, you talked about chop wood, carry water. Is there anything else that you're engaging with in terms of maybe it's a follow on social media, a podcast, a book, something that could give our listeners some direction about how do I grow myself beyond this conversation? Ooh, this is a tough one. Cause I'll name every book there ever was. I, <laughs> I'm an avid reader. So there's three, give us okay. three good ones. Yeah, that's good. I love that. I actually um, carry around a book with me in my purse. It's so funny. Um, I think Chop Wood Carry Water is probably my number one all-time favorite book. Second, I think would be, oh, gosh, a staple. Have you guys read Man's Search for Meaning? Yeah, Victor Frankl. Ooh. Unbelievable. That one, that one. And, and you know, that's that's really where a lot of psychology still stems from is that book and, and his experience um, you know, as a Holocaust survivor and all that. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, that's a really powerful and a profound one. Oh gosh, a third. I feel so bad naming books because I love them all. Um, I would say anyone interested in the mental game, read, read Mind Gym. Have you guys read Mind Gym? Obviously it's very staple, easy to read foundational mental book. Um, it teaches you about the mental game. And I, often recommend that one to athletes because it's simple, gives you stories about other athletes and athletes like that. Um, I mean, gosh, there's so many other good books, you guys, For but sure. I think that's good. Uh, I was listening. I love Jocko uh, Willick's podcast. Um, my husband and I were listening to that on the way over here. And um, Dr. Michael Gervais has a great podcast and we were, so I, I, I go, I like to listen to my favorite podcasts over and over again. And um, he did an interview with the sleep doctor, uh, Michael Braze, I think his name is Dr. Michael Braze. And gosh, my husband and I just got a kick out of it. It's so, so many good sleep and recovery nuggets. So I, I'm all about that. And he's got some really good um, recovery tools and how to sleep better. And I mean, sleep, sleep's my favorite thing to talk about. Well, one of them favorite things to talk about, just because I think it's so important, uh, especially for athletes. So yeah, that those would be my nuggets, I think. So speaking of nuggets, Sarah, you are also out on social media. You put stuff out all the time into the world. Where can people interact with your stuff? Because I, I think a lot of some of our questions today stemmed from stuff we've heard you talk about or seen from you um, out there in the world. So where can people find you? Well, you know, I actually just changed my name. So I, I'm just noticing on my uh, Zoom here, my name's still Sarah Chafee. But I, yeah, I recently changed my name to Sarah Taylor. So I believe my handles, um, my Instagram handle, I think is Sarah JC Taylor. And um, my name on Twitter is Sarah Taylor, but I'm sure it's my handle, I think is still Sarah Chafee. But um, that's where you guys can find me. Yeah, I try and I try and offer some uh, value on on uh, social media, just because usually if I put something out there, it's usually more for a reminder to me. Uh, I scroll through my own Instagram and try and live live by the words that I pump out there because that's, you know, why, why would I not? So usually if I'm, if I'm sending something out, I, I try and be of service to other people, but it's coming from, Hey, I need the reminder just as much as anybody else. So yeah, that's kind of uh, my method. And we'll have all of your, your handle linked in, into the show notes. So whether it's, you know, one name or the other, it'll be there. Just click on it and you can go find her. So well, thank Sarah, you. thank you so much for coming and talking with us today. It was incredibly valuable. Great. Hey, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me. You guys have awesome questions and, and good conversation. I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks again to Sarah for joining us. It, it, 
Every week, Jamie. I, I, I'm going to stop saying it at some point, I know, because I'm going to remember, but every week we get challenged by the people that we get to talk to. And it's personal to us and it's applicable in no matter what area of life. And I think that's what's so important to us with the podcast and, and living eyes up and having an eyes up mindset is apply the things that you're doing in sports to life, to your relationships, and it's going to change the way you see and the way that you live life. Um, a, a bunch of different things again this week, but bullet points that I have, you know, who's of rank in your, in your life to get feedback, who matters right now to help you. Um, don't get caught in the noise gateway to the present moment. Uh, don't leave the mental game to chance, boy, I just feel like I'm all over, but look for what's good. And, and the thing for me that hit closest to home for me was the once in a lifetime opportunity, see everything as a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know that, could, could have changed where I was, you know, a few days ago. And I, I know that if I can get myself to be present and to get to that thought, um, it will change the way that I live moving forward. So I I'm incredibly grateful for that. But so again, a lot of spewing at you, some bullet points, do your thing with the bow and wrap it all up for us. I, I think you said it, it's presence, right? And Sarah said it a few times. It's who's of rank right now. What matters in this moment? How do we bring that gateway to the present, right? It might be a physical action. It might be some sort of mental self-talk, some sort of skill, but it might be as simple as realizing that right now is once in a lifetime. And that thing that we don't do nearly often enough is be here now. And when we do that, we level up, we get better. We grow to a place where an eyes up mindset is who we are and what we become because we're always present. And as always, live eyes up.